Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. I'm Michael Finan, Marketing Assistant with Harper Academic. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind-the-scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up-and-coming debut writers, about their books. Harper Academic calling Father James Martin. Father Martin, a Jesuit priest, was disheartened by the sharp divide between the Catholic Church and the LGBT community that he saw following the Orlando nightclub shooting in 2016. In a Facebook video that went viral, Father Martin called for Catholics to find solidarity with their LGBT brothers and sisters. His new book, Building a Bridge, expands on this call for unity. Through the pillars of respect, compassion, and sensitivity, Father Martin assembles the pieces that both sides can use to build a two-way bridge, promoting understanding, tolerance, and acceptance. So on the phone with us today, we have Father James Martin, author of Building a Bridge. And Father Martin, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So this book, Building a Bridge, um, it started out as a speech, correct? It did. Uh, I was invited by New Ways Ministry, which is a group that ministers to and advocates for LGBT Catholics to receive their Bridge Building Award. And uh, uh, this was right after the Orlando massacres uh, in the gay nightclub. And I thought it was the right time to sort of be a little more public about my advocacy for LGBT Catholics. And so the first part of the book uh, is sort of based on the speech that I gave, um, you know, during that award ceremony. And then the second part is a series of um, spiritual resources and uh, Bible meditations for LGBT people. Mm. So obviously, um, as a priest, approaching this topic of um, LGBT is very bold and very controversial. Did you feel any trepidation in going into this book? I felt a little bit at the beginning, but I was very careful in getting all the right permissions from my Jesuit superiors, and then once the book was published, uh, it received endorsements from two cardinals, including one who works in the Vatican, and so I feel pretty relaxed about it. On a more uh, spiritual level, I feel totally at peace with it because it's the right thing to do. I think welcoming people who are LGBT and inviting the church to be more welcoming of LGBT Catholics is definitely the right thing to do. So there's been a little pushback uh, from some people, but I'm really at peace with the book. Well, that's good. That's excellent. Um, so going into this, did you... Um... Did you talk to um, people on both sides, or is this more or less your personal reflection on the issue? I would say both. For, for the last uh, 30 years as a Jesuit, I really have talked to both groups, and I would say those groups would be LGBT Catholics who have felt marginalized and excluded and ignored and insulted in many ways, as well as, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of bishops and archbishops and cardinals over the years just, you know, from my work at America Magazine and giving speaking uh, gigs and things like that. So I've, you know, sort of distilled what I've seen and what I've heard and have tried to respect both sides. And the book tries to bring both sides together and encourages both sides to listen to one another. But I do have to say that the onus really is on the institutional church because, you know, it is the LGBT Catholic who has felt marginalized and excluded and ignored and insulted. So the the, the difficult work, I think, really does need to be done first by the church. Mm. So you say the LGBT Catholic. Would you say that your book is attempting to build the bridge between the, the hierarchical church, you could say, and LGBT Catholics or the community as a whole? 
Well, I would say both. That's a great question, and I make that point in the book. Uh, it's primarily LGBT Catholics, so people who are in the parishes and are, you know, are, are Catholics or by you know virtue of their baptism, you know, who feel excluded from their parishes and from their churches and you know from the church in general. But it's also an invitation for the church to listen to the LGBT community as a whole. And also, as I point out, uh, what the church says about uh, LGBT people, uh, you know, has an influence beyond just Catholics. So if Pope Francis says, as he did, you know, a year or two ago, who am I to judge, that makes uh, gays and lesbians who are not Catholic feel different, you know, about the Catholic Church. So it's, it's a relationship with the LGBT Catholic community and then the larger LGBT community. Mm-hmm. So in terms of um, looking at these two groups, the LGBT community and the hierarchy of the church, um, since this is a two-way bridge, as you put it in the book, um, what would you say are the major roadblocks for each group? Well, that's a great question, too. The major roadblocks uh, for the institutional church is a kind of lack of familiarity with the community, with the LGBT community, uh, a sort of historical I would say unwillingness in some cases to listen to their experiences, and also a lot of uh, homophobia, you know, that quite frankly happens in the church. And that's why I suggest using the virtues of respect, compassion, and sensitivity, which are named in the catechism as a way forward. On the other side, I think the roadblock is that uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that LGBT Catholics have felt so marginalized and so beaten down by the church, and you know, it's not something they're simply just feeling, it's experiences that they've had and they've shared with me about being insulted or, uh, you know, attacked from the pulpit or in person, you know, by priests and sisters and brothers and deacons. So that's the roadblock for them, is this sense of hurt and the sense of exclusion that um, that they, you know, find is a, is a huge stumbling block uh, to, you know, a good relationship with their own church. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, respect, compassion, and sensitivity, which is a major part of the book. Could you briefly elaborate on what each of those mean in terms of building this bridge between the two groups? Yeah, very briefly, uh, those three virtues that come from the catechism, I would say, to begin with, from the point of view of the institutional church to the LGBT community, respect is very basic. It's you know uh, accepting that they exist, right? That you know we, we need to you know accept the fact that they're part of the church. Um, calling them by the names they want to be called, i.e. not saying same-sex affliction or same-sex attraction, but saying gay or LGBT. Respecting the gifts that they bring individually and, you know, corporately. Um, sensitivity would be, you know, really being sensitive to the words we use and the language we use. I talk about not using words like intrinsically disordered or objectively disordered, which is what the catechism teaches. Uh, it's also uh, not firing people simply because they enter into same-sex marriages because that's very prejudicial because we don't do that with any other group. Uh, you know, and compassion is listening to them and being willing to put yourself out there and taking some heat for them. You know, compassion comes from the word to suffer with, and so are we willing to suffer with uh, this group? On the other side, respect from the LGBT community means, you know, literally respecting the bishops. I mean, not making fun of them and listening to them and treating them with dignity and respect. Compassion is understanding them in the complexity of their ministry. You know, I mean, the bishops have a hell of a lot to do. It's not simply dealing with the LGBT community. And sensitivity is really listening to what they say with an appreciation of the level of authority that it comes from. So, for example, that something that your pastor says, you know, on a Sunday is not the same as a papal encyclical. So one of the problems, I think, with the LGBT community's reception of church teaching is that 
and this happens for a lot of Catholics, is that everything is kind of lumped together. So I think by using those three virtues, respect, sensitivity, and compassion, we can really move ahead. I mean, that's, those are the foundations of the bridge. Mm-hmm. So going off of um, that point you had made about um, you know, the hierarchy and um, different messages coming from different places, um, you talk a lot in the book about how, uh, despite the fact that some higher-ups may have these negative messages, there are a lot of um, you know, small priests and small towns doing a lot of good for the LGBT community that maybe aren't as um, getting much attention paid to them. Would you say that there is more acceptance within the church hierarchy than you might think just looking at the media? Well, that's a good question. You know, in the hierarchy, let's say, which would be specifically cardinals, archbishops, and bishops, I think there still is a lot of resistance. In parishes, you know, among pastors and, you know, assistant pastors and sisters and also church lay workers, I think there's much more acceptance. But, you know, it also depends on where you are in the country. I think in the larger cities, there it's a lot easier for LGBT Catholics to feel welcome in their parishes. And, you know, in New York City, you can go to almost any parish and feel welcome. And then, in fact, a few parishes where you feel extremely welcome, places like Washington, Chicago, Boston, San Francisco, L.A., they all have parishes like that. But in smaller towns, um, it's not quite as easy. And, you know, I get these very sad letters from LGBT people saying, you know, help me, I don't know where to go. And so, you know, it depends on the location, I think, uh, you know, of the parish. And certainly in other countries, it's even, it's even more dramatic, the changes and the uh, differences. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in the book, you do mention all these ways to build bridges between these two groups. Um, but at, at the end of the day, there seems to be this irreconcilable difference between uh, church teaching on sexuality and progressive views on sexuality. So do you think that at some point down the road, in order for this bridge to fully build, something will have to change? Or do you think that the two groups will sort of somehow work past that? Well, I, that's a great question, and I know that that's a big question for a lot of LGBT Catholics. But, you know, what I'm trying to do is, is more like this is the first step. The mm-hmm. first step is for these two groups to listen to one another and, you know, for the church to listen to the experience of LGBT people and then really reflect on it and think about whether or not um, you know, there's a, there's a different way ahead. But I, I would say that we're still kind of taking baby steps at this point. Um, and it, even something as simple as a, an outreach mass for LGBT Catholics is, is kind of a high bar for some parishes. Mm-hmm. Which I think goes along. Um, at one point in the book, you talk about the story of Zacchaeus meeting Jesus. And, um, you know, he's a tax collector, but Jesus welcomes him anyway. And then very much his takeaway from that is building community with him first and then addressing the issues later. Yeah, that's, that's Jesus's way of proceeding. And uh, I think, you know, in that story, Zacchaeus is seen as a sinner, which is not to say that LGBT people are, are sinful people in themselves. I guess what I'm saying is Zacchaeus was kind of on the outs and was really on the margins. And Jesus does not castigate him. Jesus welcomes him and says, you know, I want to come and uh, stay at your house tonight which made people in the area grumble, which I love. That's a great part of the, the gospel story. And, you know, just like people are grumbling today, you know, that I'm reaching out to LGBT people, it's the, it's the same thing. So you're right. The, the insight that I talk about in the book, uh, which comes from a, a scripture scholar named Ben Myers, is that for Jesus it's community first and conversion second. And, you know, we all need conversion, basically. But Jesus is always about welcome, and his movement is from the outside in. 
And, you know, for Jesus, uh, there's no one who's other. There's no one who's them. There's no us and them for Jesus. There's just us. Mm -hmm. So if you could have each group, um, again, the Catholic Church and the LGBT community, take away one thing from the book, what would that be? Would it be the same for both groups, or is there one specific message you want to give to each group? No, that's a great, that's a very good question, too. I would say to the hierarchy, um, you need to listen to these people. That's the first thing. I would say to the LGBT community, you need to remember that you're part of the church too. You know, you're baptized. And don't let anyone tell you that you're not part of the church. You're just as much part of the church as the Pope, your local bishop, or me. Mm. That's great advice. Um, So one more question we have for you, and this is a question that we ask all of our guests on our podcast. Since this is primarily for teachers, professors, their students, who was your favorite teacher? Oh, that's actually pretty easy. Father Dan Harrington, who was a Jesuit uh, scripture scholar, professor of New Testament, was probably the best teacher I've ever had. And one of the surprising reasons was that he taught things very simply. Uh, you know, he, he probably knew more about the New Testament than any other English-speaking scholar, you know, when he was alive. He died about three years ago. Mm-hmm. But we used to call him Desert Dan, which was uh, he's clear, he's dry, and you can see what's coming from miles away. <laughs> simple and very direct and treated people with dignity and loved, loved, loved the New Testament. And really, my way of looking at the New Testament is thanks to my friend and my mentor and my teacher, Dan Harrington. That's great. Uh, All right. Well, Father Martin, this has been uh, terrific. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for thanks for your help with this book. It's a really important one for me. Absolutely, not a problem. Actually, um, I went I went to Fordham, so I have that oh, Jesuit background myself. <laughs> well, that explains everything. Yeah. There. All right, my friend. Listen. Uh, thanks so much, and go Rams. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> thanks. Take care. God bless. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.